hello there and welcome to another episode of Back to the Clubs with me, Major K. I'm a DJ, producer and record label owner and in this series I'm talking to other DJs about their club experiences. What was their first impression of a club and club life? In which club do they want to play because they haven't done that before? And what goes up but never ever comes down? The answer to that is your age. The answers to other questions are often surprising. Previous guests this season include Nico Parisi, Cynthia Laclay and, last episode, Mr. Lady. Today it's Dimitri Andreas. Before we introduce him, be sure to subscribe to Back to the Clubs in your podcast app. Uh, give the show a raving rating too, it helps more people find the podcast. In your podcast app, you can also find my weekly mix podcast, Flash Forward Presents, with Major K. And at official Major K is my handle on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and TikTok. And now, Dimitri Andreas, a silent force in the Belgian dance scene. He's been known to produce a lot and not only for himself, but for and with others as well. He rides the winds of music, so to speak, with techno always the thing he returns to. Though he had brushes with even classical music. So yeah, tons of musical baggage. Um, It's as if it needs to be carried by the luggage from Terry Pratchett's Discworld. I know, perhaps an obscure reference, but you really need to check those books. Discworld, Terry Pratchett. Anyway, a fun and long chat awaits with an awesome techno producer and DJ. Dimitri Andreas. Enjoy the show. Here we go. Back to the clubs with Major K. This time uh, back to the clubs, uh, not from my studio uh, and not recorded online, but from someone else's studio. And that someone else is uh, Dimitri Andreas. Hi, thank you for inviting us to your studio. Welcome. Yeah, it's uh, it's a really great sound, really great environment. And this is where you spend most of your time? Uh, all my life I'm I'm living here. If I would have a bed here, I would sleep here. Yeah. Every day, every day I'm working here from the morning till late at night. Yeah. What kind of projects are you uh, busy with at the moment? I'm having some projects of my own where I make uh, solo, my own uh, creative stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I also have projects with other people, one with Igor Vicente, where we make a warmer house tech-influenced stuff. Uh, I also have a project with um, Spacit, who plays techno, but we have a kind of love for disco music. Okay, something quite different. Yes, I, I like to do different stuff and create different worlds. This I, I need some changement the whole time. I cannot work five days on the same kind of music so that's uh, a thing I need and it's interesting because sometimes you have yeah, influences from other genres that come in different projects yeah. uh, so the project I have with Spacit is uh, Marching Machines and uh, we already did six or seven releases I think in the last few years two more to come yeah it's fun but next to that I have a lot of yeah, things I'm doing with all things with sounds. Last year I had an uh, installation in the Gisela Museum in Ghent uh, where you could 
listen immersively to soundscape I made. But I'm mixing also for other artists. Yeah, and Dolby Atmos, an immersive audio. Yeah, and do some ghost productions sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah not not for me by the way uh, if you were thinking that not for me but uh, yeah and I, I think every project has its challenges and I guess you even if you're like in this business for a long time already because how many years are you uh, active uh, doing this soundscaping producing kind of stuff officially for the state <laughs> it's since may 2022 i saw yesterday right, right. <laughs> i forgot it so more than 20 years in fact um, 21 years um, but i do it already uh, yeah since i'm a child i mean when i was seven eight years i was already playing with little small i still have them <laughs> little keyboards um Yeah, and I think the first big step was my first synthesizer I got when I was 12. Uh, I saved all my money for years before to have the synth. Even when we were with the family and grandparents going to the fairground, mm -hmm. I said, okay, I, I will not go on the decadence. I want to save my money right. <laughs> to, uh, to invest in a synth. And yeah, that's... I, I don't know. I, I always had it in me. Yeah. And do you know why? Because like this is a really specific thing. How did this came in my head? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Hmm. Were your parents musically? Uh, did they make music? Listen to music? Had a big record collection? Did my, they take you to concerts? Or? My dad had a, a tape recorder and had some. Uh, listened always to some LPs. But it was not that he was an extremely big music lover. He was more into writing books, in fact. Mm. He still has kind of a library in his house, in, in their house. So he, he was really, he had the same thing that I have with music, but with books. Okay. And, and I, I, I don't read. I'm really not <laughs> the perfect son for him in that, in that sense. But um, yeah, we share maybe that. Uh, the passion to get lost in, in a certain thing. I'm still I'm still trying to figure out what what made you spark to it because as I said to yeah. when you when you're a kid and the first thing that you really 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 want is a synthesizer. Well, let's say that that's not uh, something that happens that often at that age. Weird. It was a bit weird at, at that time even. I don't know, it, it gave me an... Um, I, re I remember when I listened to music as a kid that it really swallowed me in this world of the artists. I remember a program on, on, on Belgian television um, where the then unknown um, comic, what's his name again, Who, who played all these roles. I don't know. He had a, a pro program for children. And every um, week it was a different thing. He gave, went to a butcher. He went to a farmer. And one day he went to a music studio. And I remember as a kid seeing this, I, I felt that this is what I want to do. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, ah, shit. I almost got his name but it's gone again 
that might crop up in the, during yeah. the course of this interview, perhaps, do let us know because uh, I'm kind of um, in the dark here, you know? Um, I don't know who you mean exactly, but it, it sounds like something that might have sparked your interest if you see something and you think, oh yeah, this is this is nice. This is something that I perhaps would like to do. It's, it's maybe also to do when I think now... Um I was always interested in technical stuff. I mean, it, yeah, and why is that? I don't know. But everything with electricity, I was making little electrical circuit, circuits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With lamps. Uh, and, and always wanted to do kind of little shows in the garage when the family came. Yeah. And so I, I was already attracted to this behind the scene. Working on uh, entertainment, in fact. Yeah. But the music, yeah. It started with listening to Michael Jackson, in fact. I, my dad had a little tape recorder and a cassette of uh, the Thriller album. And he was always listening to that. Hmm, yeah, that's, that's something. Mm -hmm. When he was writing on his typewriter, I heard the sound of the typewriter with Michael Jackson in the background. <laughs> and a certain day I could use this recorder to listen to this one tape I had. Yeah. And then a bit afterwards, I think a friend of me came with a, a cassette of Jean-Michel Jarre. It, it all comes back. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, discovering this music that sounded so different from everything you hear, because that time you didn't hear synthetic No. Music on the radio, everything was, uh, yeah, classic pop. It started that moment, but um, yeah, this out of this world music really attracted me in a, in a way. Yeah. And yeah, I, then afterwards I discovered all the synthesizer greatest hits, compilations. And then all of a sudden, I, by accident, I think, <laughs> I, I got a, an old new beat style compilation on CD, I think. And the beat yeah, gave it another dimension and then, mm -hmm. yeah, everything changed. Yeah. I get what you're saying, um, because like uh, Jean-Michel Jarre wise, um, when our teacher uh, of French didn't really want to teach, He put in a video cassette of one of Jean-Michel Jarre's performances in Paris or whatever, mm. like with the synths and like with uh, the the hands that like interrupted a, a laser beam and then the sound changed and whatever. Still don't know if that's a real thing or if it's just show. <laughs> I think he was a go good showman. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so too. But then again, yeah, the electronic music, it's like... Um, And uh, as I said in interviews before, Vangelis as well, mm. like yeah. purely a, an electronic sound and just so otherworldly and uh, it's so fascinating. And I can guess, yeah, and we, before we uh, recorded or started recording this interview, we were talking about Michael Jackson and about Thriller and how awesome it is and still holds up. And um, you, you demonstrated how... Yeah, Atmos, which you use, can give a, a different perspective of a track that, on a track that you already know for like 30, 40 plus years. Yeah, yeah. this this uh, really opens um, 
doors emotionally in my in my in everybody's head who who's listening because you hear details that you never could hear in uh in this yeah. music before yeah. and um of like you say this song still stands because it's yeah an amazing composition it's perfectly uh written perfectly produced everything is right and it's there you cannot say this is wrong or this should have been like this yeah everybody who's who worked on it was like top level i mean yeah. that that's what makes the result this good yeah. And listening to this, even if it's this old in Atmos, yeah, that makes you realize how good it is, in fact, because you hear all the details, you hear people, in fact, making all the sounds of the wolves in the background. <laughs> and and you, you realize like, fuck, that must have been fun. You feel a bit more like you were in the studio with yeah. them. Yeah, the, the process must have been amazing to to create that that record. And so now we kind of established what might have sparked your interest in in doing a thing like that as well. Um, what was then the first real production that you did when I was eighteen? I already made some music myself, but that never have. I I, I already started playing live here and there in the neighborhoods <clears throat> when I was 16. But yeah, after a while, people heard about it and a DJ who played at Radio Galaxy just over the border in France mm -hmm. contacted me and asked me, yeah, could you maybe make a record as a ghost producer for me? Oh, okay. And that was Dave Swayze. And he asked me, can we work in the studio together or something? And that was, in fact, the first release I had on vinyl. I remember that I was not sleeping for three days before I would get the vinyl in my hands. Yeah. So that was 98 or 99, I think. That was the first one. And then the second one was my first EP uh, that I did on Marco Bailey's label. That time, Session Recordings was the name. Yeah, and then from there, poof. I started playing more. The second EP came out that made really all my weekends full. Yeah, not long after I had a release on Music Man and then yeah, I played more abroad and uh I played Isle of Techno and some other festivals. Yeah. It's it's really yeah, it was quite a journey in the beginning. Yeah. So um your first production when you were 18 was that the time that you first went clubbing as well or was that earlier or i really started clubbing clubbing i was looking younger than i was so i could not get in a club before i was 16 <laughs> except for once i had to play in a club when i was 15 i i yeah but then the day that i was 16 i started going out like <laughs> crazy yeah. I, I was I, re, I still remember the first little party I, I was on it was a party where they played all kinds of music and maybe 3% things with a beat okay. but every time I heard a track with a beat I felt like why don't they play the whole night like this <laughs> and then the first time I went to a club when I was 16 uh, I realized yeah, th this is the world I want to live in yeah it felt so obvious for me felt so right yeah yeah it felt just like 
This is what people need to live. I mean, this makes you feel good. Do you remember what that first club was that you yeah, went to? Yeah, it was not far from here, uh, Lagoa. There was a, a club that, yeah, had many different faces. <laughs> Or I mean, not faces, but the stars changed a lot in the, in the last decennia. But that time they played a bit softer house, transy stuff. And it, the club had a really particular sound, I, I remember. It has had a kind of very deep resonating bass, but also clear mids. I mean, that's a bit nerdy talk for <laughs> sound guys, but that really influenced me in the way I made tracks all the years after, mm -hmm. because um, it was like a kind of a reference, like this is, yeah, this is the reference how tracks should be mixed with yeah. harder kicks and this bit aggressive mids. So you analyzed kind of the sound and tried to use that in your own productions then as well, because you thought, well, um, I want my records played here, so mm -hmm. make sure that this yeah, works and, on and, this and, system. And after a while, they played my records. It didn't took uh, so long. Um, yeah, if I, I, then later on, I played there a lot. I had good times. It was fun to be playing at a place that I was like, it was like like a church for me. The first time I came in, I was really like nervous Yeah, going in this club because it had had something um, ritually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's quite transcendental, uh, so to speak, I think. And, and was that is that a big club uh, how many people could go in there i think at that time everything was open because the club ha had like multiple places i think there were 2500 3000 people okay and at that time in the 90s it was full every weekend <laughs> i was the only one that arrived there by bike <laughs> Easy. Mo most of the guys had tuned cars <laughs> that arrived there. Okay. So sometimes I, the first time I I arrived there was by bike, and the second time I parked my bi bike behind the corner. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then 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 people thought, well, oh yeah, he's parked his car somewhere else. Uh, perhaps it's a really great one, but he doesn't want to brag or something. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's a possibility. It was just a bike. But that's that's fine as well. Um, so and is is uh, so Lagoa was then the first club that you went to to go party, and was it the first club that you have your your uh, first ever uh, DJ set in? Well, as a, in the club, I mean. Uh, yeah, but what? Yeah, my first sets were in fact in Bruges, I think. Okay. Um, but were were more like in halls where they organized the kind of rave. Okay. Yeah. So not really club club set, but the really the really first club. Oh, I think it's in Bruges, a small club that was called back then the Fame. I think that was the first place I that was like officially a club that I played in. Yeah, I think in the beginning it were mostly parties. There there were some parties also in a, here in Kortrijk in a, a place that doesn't exist anymore, the Bottelberg, and there was like a big room where you had. 2000 3000 people that were there were techno parties with uh, i think mark broom speedy j uh, with names. some other yeah. big names yeah. yeah and that's that's how i met um marco bailey for my first record i played just before him 
by accident because he had to play somewhere else. So he was booked early and I was like the opener that night. Right. Yeah. And Marco Bailey heard me and in my set, I still have it somewhere, I think, he gave me a little corner of a paper and he uh, wrote down, yeah, do you have rec- uh, have productions? Please send me over and his email address. Because that time I only played live. I, I, I started as a live guy. Okay. So he heard that the music was cool, and that's that's how, how I had this first record. So it's almost yeah, it's by chance that you were on the same lineup, and uh, yeah. that kind of the music resonated with him, and then yeah. the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes uh, these little moments and lucky moments mm-hmm. uh, are needed to make steps forward. Mm-hmm. It's always better to convince somebody without selling you. Yeah. Then um, and and I was just lucky that he played because if he would have no bookings, he would have played after twelve or later on, and he would never have heard what yeah, I did, yeah, yeah. and yeah. my story would have been different. Yeah. Um, you talked about uh, fame or the fame in Bruges. Was what, what kind of club was that? I don't know because my perception when I was sixteen or fifteen was. Uh, d- different than than no, for me it was like wow big thing. But I guess it's, it's, it's it was a small club mm-hmm. um, with some tourists. I guess yeah, they played a bit club music. I re- I remember that I made some music and the club the DJ that played there when George that was the DJ of La Bouche came playing there. He he gave a cassette with this music, so some there were some DJs coming over, yeah. play there. Yeah, um, cool. Yeah, small clubs. Yeah, you know, a few hundred people and a lot of mirrors. I I remember <laughs> that was like yeah. typical for the this time. I yeah, think. yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I, I because like in in clubs like even La Roca and whatever, there were mirrors everywhere as well. It's <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was really the 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 nightclub vibe that you you get from movies sometimes somehow uh, I think one of the questions we also ask him back to the clubs is what does a good club need to excel uh, I think your answer is for sure going to be a good sound system oh yes I, I think yeah everything is important but a lot of club owners underestimate the value of a um, good sound system mm-hmm. It really makes you, yeah. It gives the possibility to go in a in a different world and to enjoy you a lot more than with a crappy sound system. Mm. Um, I feel it every time I come in a club and I have to play somewhere. I already know in advance, yeah, what with this sound system I will be able to go this high. Mm. And uh, I'm not talking about volume, but more about how you can touch people with music. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 it's already a lot better uh, these days. The, the the standards is is a lot higher than in the nineties. In the nineties, I really sometimes came in places that I was like, okay, between me and the DJ before me, we do a little change of the speakers, <laughs> and and sometimes I really ask them to to change positions um yeah to have like more bass because if you don't have if you don't feel the bass physically in your stomach a little bit it yeah i don't know you need that mm-hmm. um but no this is not a problem anymore um 
Yeah, it would of course be nice that you have immersive sound systems in uh, in clubs, um, and a lot of people that come here ask me, yeah, are there clubs where you can listen in immersive audio? And I think in in, in London there's one, mm-hmm. um, and, and I hear that in fabric, Ghent. Or... Is it fabric in London or? No, it was something else, mm-hmm. but it was like a really small club that was targeted to um, hi-fi freaks. Okay. That you can go there and drink a good glass, dance a little bit, but mostly to listen to music. Okay. And high quality, yeah, nice concept. Do you remember what it's called, the club? Uh, just like the other, I have to search for it. It's okay. already a while ago that I saw it. But I hear that in Ghent there is a new place they built. I think it in the Winter Circus. Okay. Yeah. They also installed immersive audio. I don't know exactly what kind of system, but it's they take took it in account. And, uh, and more and more places are doing it, like Sober and Kortrijk, which is a more a theater kind of place. Mm-hmm. Um, is building a new, uh, pl- yeah, they are reconstructing the, the old building and they're building a new room where they will also um, yeah, install an immersive system. Okay, so it gets it's getting traction. So more and more, because it, I think for, for a lot of clubs, it's one, an investment. Yeah. It's still a little bit experimental yeah. in that respect that um, is it worth the investment? Yeah. Um, but you see that there's evolution in that. Yeah, evolutions take take some time and it will not uh, go overnight. It can maybe take 20 years before it becomes a standard. Just like when they went from mono to stereo, it took maybe 15, 50 years before every player or, or media thing adapted like television in the 90s was still mono I think or, or in the mm-hmm. 80s uh, it's only yeah in the beginning of 2000 that every r- r- television station and every radio sent it out or broadcast it in, in stereo yeah. while stereo was invented I don't know exactly but I think in the 50s it takes some time it takes time and and I think it's the same with immersive and you have early crazy adapters uh, like me but the mainstream follows and yeah everybody who comes here in the studio and that witness or, or lives a certain moment uh, listens to the music and Atmos is touched and yeah everybody says yeah this is how it should be everywhere yeah I had a short demonstration before uh, recording this uh, this back to the clubs and yeah it's it's you feel like you're there with the musicians you really feel inside the room when they are playing even if it's if you know that it's a recording it's as if they're they're performing live uh, so to speak so yeah i think uh, i'm looking forward to to experiencing that in a club um, if it's if it's well done i think it's it can resonate and and give some more emotional punch uh, mm. to tracks uh, for sure yeah it's something that i um, i want to experiment and invest in myself i already did a show last year in november in a theater with a choir. Yeah, it was like an electronic and classical mix that I did together with uh, this choir. And I mixed the whole show in immersive audio. Mm -hmm. So with six uh, speakers around the public and uh, two above. And that really, everybody talks about it afterwards, like how much they were into the music. Yeah. Um, And... 
next year in 2024, I'm doing also a kind of an experiment. I'm making music in a castle for people who are for four days meditating and doing mindful exercises. And I composed the music for this event, also in the immersive audio. Mm. Uh, it's the, the event is called The Crossing. There are still some tickets. Mm. Yeah, it's a... Uh, it's very interesting, especially in these. These, I, I'm really looking forward to to this event because you have people that are really 100 percent there, focused on the music, yeah. and that's that's the all, the only thing they are doing, and maybe thinking a little bit in their head. Yeah. So for me, it's like wow, I will have like a few hundred people, yeah, that are totally chill listening to my music in immersive audio. Yeah, when is that exactly? The end, the last weekend of April. It starts on Thursday and ends Sunday evening. Okay, for people listening, you know what to do, right? Back to the clubs now. Is there a DJ performance that you saw in a club that kind of blew you away? A DJ who played like the set of his or her life and uh, of which you thought, well, this, well... Nothing can top this set. Whew, good question. And I'm like, no, in a kind of archive searching for the <laughs> things. Um, I, the first thing that came in my mind was um, a, a set of Dave Angel that played, I think, the same night with Jeff Mills. Or, or, or maybe it's two nights that I yeah, mix up now. Mm -hmm. But both of them, I saw them at the scene in Odenada, I think. That was like an old uh, monastery. They re re changed into a club. Okay. And yeah, it was the moment in the end of the 90s, early 2000s, where you had more and more techno parties. And so they, they, they wanted to start the first techno club. And um, I remember being in this very dark club and... Uh, being just in front of the booth and like with my mouth open and <laughs> seeing how they were mixing vinyl, yeah, yeah, that that really was like okay, shit, they are another level than I'm. I was at that time. Yeah, the the mastering, like the mastering of their craft. Yeah, yeah. it was really a kind of a, a métier, how do you say that? Yeah, métier. It's a, it's a good French word in English as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, 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 it's... it's um, I, I also, also played with vinyl since I was 18, I think. It had something, it still has something, because it has a physical aspect that is cool. And, and that time in good clubs, you had really a good... Vinyl installations. That was a big advantage uh, of a club that you had like special feet under the 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 techniques. Mm -hmm. um, that was yeah in concrete in the ground, so it didn't vibrate with the speakers. Right. Yeah. So the sound was always a lot better in clubs than you had on uh, parties that were in places that they had to put a podium and all the, the stage and the stuff where it was always resonating and you always had problems with vinyl yeah yeah it's a uh, vinyl is difficult uh, especially yeah like the basic stuff once it once the ground shakes or you just 
have little push against yeah, uh, the table or whatever. Yeah. It's so sensitive and, and you, you can mm. fuck your setup, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, you cannot be the crazy dude that is waving with no. his whole body back and forth. You really have to stand yeah. still bit like uh, I don't know you really have to be under control yeah it's and that's difficult case. I find that difficult I, I, I don't know if I could do yeah. that because like yeah you want to be with there with your crowd with the music and you want to yeah <laughs> dance while while you're playing as well and as you say yeah perhaps with with final that's a little bit tricky sometimes Yeah, it is. But I grew up with this technique, I mean, that I had to be calm. And now I have the problem that a lot of people say, yeah, you're just standing there, you should dance and wave more. But I, I'm like, yeah, I grew up with being as still as possible yeah, <laughs> to yeah, not yeah, skip yeah. a beat with the, <laughs> with the needle. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, and if you know, it's it's something that you're used to do in that manner. So yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a, a tough one to to get out of and 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 um, do it differently because you just are used to doing playing your sets as as you do. So okay, so that's that's one point that you um, are going to look for in the future to adjust or. Uh, oh yes, I don't know. I understand. Uh, of course, it's it's better that you see a, a guy enjoying himself and having a, a crowd behind him, yeah. and that is like having the time of his life. That works. It's it's a it's a nicer image than somebody like like Jeff Mills, for example, that is in his own world, not looking up and and doing his thing. Mm -hmm. Even if the music would be the same, this visual aspect really helps. Yeah. making fun so sometimes uh, if the party is really good i can start moving <laughs> but um yeah it's maybe something i have to take in mind yes. a bit more um we talked about a great dj set by other djs um is there one set that comes to mind where you thought of your set well okay This was totally what I wanted, how I wanted it to uh, come across to the audience. And it, this is like the best set I've ever played. Oh, difficult one. I, I think one of the, the sets that come to my mind is a set I played in Brighton in England. I was invited there by a cool guy. <laughs> I'm bad in names today. <laughs> It's a hard one. Names, um, I, I know, I know. Um, but it was a, a, a small club uh, and it was under the ground in a kind of a cave building where you had like on the roof like these hollow brick things. Yeah. <clears throat> and I came in, it was extremely dark and they instantly guided me to the backstage. And this backstage was really the backstage of a movie I would direct. <laughs> like, people were having drinks, sex, drugs. Okay. It was really, really rock and roll. Yeah. So I instantly had already a kind of a intro of this will be the vibe probably in the club. And 
The moment I arrived at the bar, I instantly felt like, wow, this is a crowd that is thankful and that I have to give the moment of their lives. When you feel like this energy, it goes automatically, it feels I don't know, you, you don't have to think. You just do what you feel that like you have to do and you get this response back and this energy for, from the public. And over there, it was crazy. I had to stop from the bus at four, I think. And it was, oh, yeah, the roof really went off like the last hour and a half. And yeah, I, I like these kind of small places with only a few hundred people. I, I think there were maybe two, three hundred people. And I, I prefer that sometimes than a big stage. Mm -hmm. I think uh, on a big stage, you really the, the art is more making a big show and maybe doing some some things with visuals. While in a club, it's really, really about the energy, making yeah sorry with with the right choice of records. Yeah. For some reason, that feels that that's really being a DJ there. Yeah. On a bigger stage, it feels more like a show because you have this distance to the audience. Yeah. Do you remember the name of that club? The DJ that invited me, and I'm happy that I found the name back, is Enzo Schifredi, a great guy. Okay. He's really doing well at the moment. I'm, I'm kind of proud that he, he's making it. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, it was a wired party that he organized and a club. I have to look it up. Um, but there's a movie, and I think you can see it in a movie on when you go on my YouTube channel. Yeah. There's a small movie uh, about this night. Yeah, there's a, a shot where I... There's a shot of the uh, affiche. Ah, no, okay, of the lineup. Of the lineup. And I think he, there you see the name of the club. So, so <laughs> head over to uh, the YouTube page of Dimitri Andreas. What, what is the URL of that? I think it's youtube.com slash Dimitri Andreas. Oh, so original. Uh, <laughs> okay, we'll uh, check that out. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious what the club that is and if it still exists. What, what, what year was that? 2000. 12, I think. Okay, I'll check it out. We'll check it out and perhaps uh, go visit there as well. Yeah, talk about uh, clubs that you visited. Um, is there one club that you visited the most? Can be as just a party goer or as a DJ? Is there one club that you frequented the most? Yeah, like in the beginning it was Lagoa, but then I went a lot to Fuse in Brussels. Still a reference, Fuse. Yeah, for me that was like coming home in a way, yeah. because they, yeah, my taste was the taste of the DJs over there, um, and especially I, I liked the the warming up sets of Deck. I played a year ago together with him somewhere. Yeah, he's, he has something, but yeah, the, the, I think and yeah, it's probably Fuse. It's a good one to have as your most visited club, I think, as it's still an internationally renowned club. And uh, even if the future, we don't know what it will hold, uh, because like after all those years in the Blastrat, uh, they may maybe lose their yeah their license to to do their parties over there, as is happening in so many cities, kicking nightlife out of the city. It's not a good thing. I think, uh, you know, it's um, underestimating the value of nightlife for the economy, like for restaurants, for 
But and even next to economy, the culture, I mean, the value this club has can be put next to big museums. I mean, of course, um, it's it's yeah, pity that that politicians not always realize this. And yeah, maybe it's up to us and uh, as a and for the fuse to make a make this information available in the language of a politician to understand how important yeah. this is. Yeah, no. The thing is, why I refer to the economy is because for people it's easier to understand mm -hmm. because there's the value of money yeah of course we know yeah. that it's more like the cultural thing as well and that it's it's more profound than that as well but like for your city it's it's so valuable in every respect you know yeah in berlin they really understand this yeah. and they are pumping millions into nightlife because they realize that the attraction Like you have the Eiffel Tower in Paris, mm -hmm. and and yeah, yeah. nightlife is really an attraction for the for the city, yeah. um, and it's important also for the economy. I mean, you have extremely big companies like Native Instruments and other uh, companies who make uh, music gear yeah. are all based in Berlin, and that came all because of the yeah the nightlife scene that thrives there yeah yeah exactly exactly another question you talk to other djs you have your own experience as a dj is there a club that is supposed to be the best in the world at this moment oh, difficult one also because it can be good in in different ways mm -hmm. one of the most um rich experiences i had was when i was younger was in a space in Ibiza because Carl Cox was playing there and at that time I had like a lot of records that came out uh, records that I did uh, as Dimitri Andreas but also some um, collaborations and I remember that Carl Cox was playing in the terrace that's like uh, the entrance yeah. where people gather before the big hall opens yeah. and uh, he was playing already some records of me and oh, that was yeah one of the the, be the best moments of my life I think because it was like okay this, this big the biggest DJ of the moment still <laughs> still is yeah. um, that was playing my records and this experience of uh, this big hall opening with all the, the stuff they did the lightning the sound system everything was so high level mm -hmm. Yeah, and I met a girl back then, also just that moment, so everything came came together. Yeah, that's a good bonus, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was, uh, yeah, I, I think that that felt really, maybe because of, of the things that, that, that um, came together there as a moment for me, like, this is the place, the best place, this is Mecca. Yeah. I don't know if it's still like this, because I haven't been there for years. Um, mm -hmm. Well, for for one, uh, space exists again, but not at that location, mm -hmm. because that became um, high Ibiza. Yeah, 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 right. Um, but now there's a new space Ibiza, uh, and I'm going to visit there and possibly play there in May. Oh, yeah. 
So I'm going to Ibiza uh, also in May, so maybe oh. it will be the same moment. Okay, that would be cool. For me, it's the 16th till the 23rd of May. I think it's the week before. Ah, damn. Perhaps there's overlap. Perhaps there's overlap. Let's let's hope. Um, but that's one of the the clubs that might be a possibility for me to play at. So I'm kind of psyched. Talking about aspirations, is there a club that you really want to play in that you haven't uh, played in before? Yeah, space. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so let's do that in May uh, 2024. We'll fix that. Two better than one. Um, yeah, it's, it's an idea. <laughs> you can do a whole month, Belgium month yeah, in May, month. Yeah, yeah. while there are not that many to, tourists yet. No, no, no. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, let's... Let's see what's possible. You know? It uh, would be would be would be great. Yeah, and space. Of course, as I said, don't know how the space of space at this moment uh, compares to the space that was space earlier. <laughs> if you know what I mean. As I said, it's a different location, or so I gather. So um, yeah, we'll need to find out if it's uh, up to par and if it's up to uh, the standards that the previous space uh, had set uh, in the day. Okay, well, um, after those aspirations and uh, the deal that we are going to play in space, what can we expect for sure uh, of you in the future? What are you doing? Are you producing? Are you going to play here and there? Where can people find you? What can people find of you? So, like I said already, in April, there's a, this really special four days, mm -hmm. uh, The Crossing. Um, I made a, an album with Mark Romboy that was released in September, Metamorphosa, together with the singer. And that's also a really special project I didn't talk about. And there could be some live performances with this project. Okay. Um, let's hope that next year this comes a reality. Yeah. And behind, uh, next to that... I have some gigs here and there, but I'm working a lot on, on music at the moment to to get this a bit uh, wilder. Okay, but there are, those are things uh, we can look forward to, to hear the new music and to see you perform wherever you're performing. I think, well, as you described the projects, that there are really, there's a, a special edge to those projects. It's always interesting to see that happen then, I think. Follow me on Instagram and you will see what's happening. We will for sure do. Uh, you can find all details about uh, Dimitri Andreas in the show description. Um, just check out your podcast app where you're listening at this moment, of course. Check the show description and find Dimitri Andreas um, on his socials and on YouTube. Thank you so much for being here. And well, thank you so much for being in your own studio. Thank you for inviting me to your uh, studio and that we could have the, this chat uh, today. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Did too. Thank you so much. So much fun talking to Dimitri Andreas. I think we could have gone on for a couple of more hours, that's for sure. Uh, let me know what you think of this podcast series so far. Uh, only two more episodes to go. Uh, reach out on my socials, all at OfficialMajorK. Don't forget to subscribe to Back to the Clubs in your podcast app and go get your Back to the Clubs logo t-shirt on dancemusicmerch.com and support the show. 
Next week I'll be talking to Madness Factory, a DJ from Serbia. For now, see you next time and enjoy the sunshine. Bye bye. Back to the clubs with Major K.